I just want to put the adversary back in the in the central component of what cybersecurity is. I'm putting the adversary in the human element in the center where it belongs. And if we can just acknowledge that, recognize that we are going to be better all over cyberspace. Hello, and welcome to CyberChats, a podcast made by the National Cryptologic Foundation. I'm your host, Jen Langdon, and together we'll be demystifying the world of cybersecurity by talking with amazing cyber fanatics like you, as well as industry professionals. Thanks for sticking with us after our short break. We took your feedback and you'll notice a change in our episode format. In this episode and episodes moving forward, you'll hear a back and forth between both of our guests that weaves the conversations together. We hope you like it. Continue to let us know what you think. In this episode, our guests get their tech game on. Our first guest, Dr. Seth Hammond, is the director at the Center for Advancement of Cybersecurity at Cedarville University. He's an associate professor of cyber operations and computer science, and I'll be facing off against him in a legendary game of rock, paper, scissors. We'll also be speaking with young entrepreneur DJ from Team Tech Boy LLC. He'll talk about his business and how his interest in gaming made him want others to be more cyber aware. How have you kind of narrowed in on game theory and its relationship with cybersecurity? So when I was doing my PhD, my uh, dissertation advisor, asked me to look at securing the power grid from cyber attack. And when I started delving into that, like how would we keep our power grid safe from cyber attack? Wow, it's like a huge sprawling infrastructure. How could we possibly protect all of it? And then I realized, well, we can't, we can't protect the entire power grid all the time. And that's really, that's just a general axiom of cybersecurity. You cannot have 100% security no matter right. what. It's just so blatantly true when you're trying to protect like something like the power grid. So I started realizing, well, if I were an attacker, why, how might I attack the power grid? Where might I attack? And when I started going down that rabbit hole, I realized that I, it leads right into what we call game theory. And it's basically the study of strategic reasoning. And it's us trying to anticipate what the attacker is going to do and then thwart their attempts. And so my dissertation really focused on game theory. And, and there were other papers that were doing this too. This wasn't the only, I wasn't the only one writing papers at the intersection of cybersecurity and game theory. But what made my contributions unique, I'm like, well, I'm doing this for my dissertation. I really enjoy it. It's fascinating. I'm teaching cybersecurity at Cedarville. I should teach my students game theory. Yeah. So that's why so I started incorporating it into my lectures and I developed a whole curriculum around it. And so that's been kind of my thing it really falls under the rubric of adversarial thinking. And a big component of that is game theory. I want to talk about like when we met in uh, St. Louis for Nice K-12. Um, when we first met, I was drawn to your table that you had there because you had a comic book about cyber. Um, why did you feel a comic book was, you know, the best type of book to make? And why were you so motivated to make a book to begin with? Well, I was inspired by Chadwick Boseman and his role in Black Panther in the Black Panther movie. And after seeing that, I made me realize that there was a 
lack of positive black representation in movies, TV shows, and books. So to increase representation, I decided to create my own comic book starring a black male protagonist. I also wanted the tech part of it, uh, and the side part of it, because I really loved uh, tech and video games. Also, my mom put me into the Color Code Kids program, and that increased my love for video games as well, because I was able to create my own. So I went to add my love for tech to it, and it sparked the name Tech Boy, and from there, that inspired me to create it. So, you know, you're talking about games. A lot of our listeners, you know, they're thinking game theory, strategy. I'm old school. I like Tetris, Super Mario. I'm classically trained, as they say. You know what I mean? Um, Are we talking about any game when we're talking about this? Because I feel like, you know, Super Mario can be pretty strategic, especially when you have two or more players. It gets really hazardous. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Typically, when we talk about game theory, we're not talking about video games. There are there could be some game theoretical elements in video games, but that's really it's kind of a distractor from what game theory is really about, which is it's really the study of strategic reasoning. So some games are more lend themselves more like purely to that than others. So like there's games of skill, there's games of chance, and there's games of strategy. So video games maybe intersect a few different areas there. But like pure games of strategy, that would be like chess. That's a really pure game, theoretical game. There's not a lot of skill involved, you know, in terms of hand-eye coordination or things like that. Right. It's all strategic. And so when you think and you're studying game theory, you're really studying that strategic component of games. And so at that point, we're not we're probably not talking about actual games, although there's some that really are based on game theory. We're more talking about like how the world works, how people think. Um, military situations, like how generals might assemble troops and figure out where they're going to attack. Uh, and in economics, we're thinking about, I have com- competitors out there that are, you know, producing similar widgets as I am. How many are they going to produce? What are they going to charge for them? So typically in academia, when we study game theory, we don't really do it in cybersecurity, but we ought to. We should study it in cybersecurity, too, because we're already it's a well-formulated discipline. We're already doing it in some disciplines, uh, and I think it belongs in cybersecurity as well. We did some random drawings and are awarding prizes for participation to those who submitted to the first three episode challenges. Congrats to ED for episode one, CB for episode two. And iJohnson04 won the drawing for episode three. The Real Hermione won the grand prize drawing for their submission to all three challenges. Thank you, everyone, and great job. I mean, in a way, and we're going to demonstrate this, I started thinking about it. I was like, how would you, you know, where does this fit in? And when I started thinking about it more, I'm like, oh, this is more psychology level. And I think that's why I'm attracted to it. So um, I devised that we should play RPS or rock, (laughs) paper, scissors. So we're going to kind of demonstrate this adversarial mindset. I've already pre-selected my three. Have you? Wow. No, you are <laughs> up in the ante army. Okay. okay. So best out of three. Are you ready? I am so nervous. We... I'm ready. Okay. All right. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Hmm. 
Okay. We both did scissors. And now I'm trying to gauge what level thinker is Jennifer? So I had you pegged at level <laughs> one and you come at me level two. Mm. And by the way, this is all game theoretical lingo here. Um, so I underestimated you a little bit, Jennifer. So now, that, <laughs> now the fact that you already reselect pre-selected means that you're not being dynamic here. You've um, already thought about. I've what, anticipated what you were you were thinking. Yes, you did. Here's <laughs> what game theory is. And yes. What turns out, we matched one another. We kind of sized one another up similarly. <laughs> So I chose scissors Yeah, because I thought, well, people definitely pick, I know my kids, they put out rock. Yes. Your hands already shaped like a rock. Yes. So I thought, okay, I'm going to play scissors and you're anticipating that I'm going to play rock. So I would have thought you would maybe have played paper. Yes. I was going to beat your paper with scissors. That and that's exactly so <laughs> when you play rock, paper, scissors, there's a couple different strategies. One of them is the no strategy strategy, where you're there. I, I don't know, I don't know, it probably isn't purely random, but you're like, you're not even thinking, you're just like gone. And like that kind of person's a little hard to beat because they're unpredictable. Like, there is no oh, my son does here. that. I was <laughs> like, I can't beat him, he's crushing me. I'm like really thinking hard, and this kid is just throwing out whatever. Yeah, so that strategy can play. It's like the um, you know, you can't, you cannot really predict that person. But when you get thinking people, of which you, you and I are, now it comes down to, hmm, I wonder what the other person's going to play, and then I want to one up that person, right. And so that's exactly what you described. In rock, paper, scissors, what I would call the level zero strategy, which is kind of the most natural, non-thinking strategy is rock. First of all, it's the first word in rock, paper, scissors. And secondly, our hand is already as a rock, like you said. So it's just like, don't change it. Just leave it there, rock. So I would call that the level zero strategy. If you anticipate that your adversary, and in this case, you and Jennifer were adversaries in this context, if I anticipate you're a level zero person, then I'm going to say like, all right, well, she's going to go rock. I'm going to go paper. So I'm going to one up you. You want to get one past that person. Right. But what I thought about you, Jennifer, I was like, well, she's not going to play rock. She's going to she's going to think through this. She's going to think maybe I should have thought she's going to think I'm going to play rock. I, I, I think that she might play rock. So then I'll play paper. And then you get into this back and forth reasoning. Yes. And I stopped one short of what I needed to. And I think you did the same against me. We both stopped one short. So we got a little, we got deep into it, but we didn't get deep enough. And that's why we had a tie. Ready for round two? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. (laughs) Paper, paper. We have a tie. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I thought I'd be out in the first two rounds. Oh, man. I did not anticipate this. Yes. I don't know what we're exhibiting here to the audience, but um, let me think about this. I'm going to go. Okay. I think I know what I'm doing. Okay. Ready? ready? Yeah. Last one. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. (laughs) Oh, we both did paper again. No. (laughs) Jennifer, I don't oh know. Oh my God, what we tied. 
The chances of that happening randomly is very remote. How did you learn what you knew about cyber? Was it from the program that you did or like what really like got you to hone in on that topic? Well, with creating my social media, uh, it made me realize like the importance of staying safe online with cybersecurity. I realized, you know, I've actually uh, on my video game, I actually got hacked before. And Wait, really? Yes. I Like, yes. Um, one of my video games, I got hacked. Someone was able to get my information. And that with also just seeing the consequences of, you know, not, you know, having your data protected, it made me like really realize like the importance of that. Also, MasterCard invited me to their cybersecurity unit. Uh, so I got to see a lot of the behind the scenes with like with cybersecurity. And just with all of that, like it really like sparked my interest in cybersecurity and made me realize the importance of it and like all of in between too. I won't lie. I was thinking, you know what? How can I gain an advantage in this adversarial game of rock, paper, scissors? And I thought, you know what? Chat GPT has to know <laughs> what rock, paper, scissors is. And yeah. so I I asked it and I was like, and it's got to know about you, Dr. Hammond. So I put in, I'm like, I'm playing an adversarial uh, thinker with game theory. And um, it explained a whole strategy of what I could do. And then it said, if your opponent uses scissors, you might consider using paper to beat it. And I thought, no way. <laughs> AI does not know how to play RPS. Apparently not. I I lost it. I was like, wow, someone could have easily skipped over this, thought this was correct. That is blatantly wrong. So there's been a lot of talk in the cyber community about using AI to help solve some of these problems, like you've mentioned, you know, mm -hmm. you've already said how you can't just throw algorithms at this. Mm -hmm. What would AI be able to even do in cybersecurity then? Well, there are limits. I mean, it's not, we're so far from having, you know, true AI. It's what's sometimes called AGI or artificial general intelligence. I don't think we'll ever have it. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a, a, a goal that's been the goal for a long time where like the computer is really is smarter than us. Now I say that and you're like, well, of course the computer's smarter. Look, it can play chess better than me. Look, it can solve these math problems right. that I can never solve. But I mean, generally like common sense, you know, can the computer ever like possess the level of common sense that I have? So we, no matter what the advances in AI are, like in just what we're seeing today. Yeah, it can do some pretty impressive things, but that's a great example, Jennifer, right there, what you just said. I still need to know, I need to know more than the computer in this case to know that it's telling me something that's wrong. It doesn't, it makes mistakes, right. but like it says it so confidently that if I don't know anything about rock, paper, scissors, I'm just like going with it and it's oh, yeah. me astray. So like, there's still a space for education and knowledge and like so that I can use it as a tool and then correct it when I can tell that it's gone off the rails. So that's one thing like we have to be careful. Like if you tell a program or uh, chat GPT or something to write a program to do something, if you don't know anything about programming, you might just be like, oh, great. I've got this program. Let me run it. Well, chat GPT might have gotten like 80 percent right. 
but it didn't get, it probably didn't get it totally right. And you have to know that 20%. So it's a helpful tool. Hey, it got 80% out of the way for me. I can just fill in the next 20%. I saved myself a lot of time, but you still need to be, to know how to be a programmer to do it. And that so, 80% could still be wrong. <laughs> yeah. And even that. So that's why you need to know what you're looking at and you can, you can, you know, so you're using it as a tool, not as like, what we wish we could use it for is like a guru, you know, like, Hey, this is like the Oracle and I can go to it and ask it anything I want. And I can just trust it, you know, to be right. And I just like, Whoa, we're not anywhere near that. So when cybersecurity, we have to think about just specialized areas, like domains of expertise where we can put AI in that lane and let it do its thing there. So it's going to have some characteristics going to be very narrow, limited, um, it's going to be well-defined and maybe I can unleash it there or something where it can be like brute forced, where it can do a lot of work, you know, like computers do. They don't like sleep. maybe hacking passwords or something yeah, like that, something like that. I could maybe fire AI up on that and feel like, all right, this is well-defined, limited enough. So when I started doing this and I started thinking about it, because I put in a lot of thought, obviously, I couldn't help thinking about hacker groups. Right. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, people study different approaches of these different hacker groups. They're well known and often state hacker groups, you know, they have tons of resources behind them. So, of course, they have the ability to research and anticipate other state hacker groups. So while they know the next what their opponent is going to do. But like for our game. We're already anticipating the next level. Like, where does it stop? How do you stay ahead of a sort of this sort of game when your decisions can be anticipated? That's a great question. And it's really hard. So it, it's measuring, it's kind of measuring your opponent. And so it's, there's still guesswork in there. So it's an, there's, it's an intelligent process, but it's not a bulletproof, like foolproof process. You might get it wrong. But to because what you're doing is you're trying to anticipate what your adversary is going to do and then one up them. But in order to anticipate what your adversary is going to do, you have to count on them anticipating what you're going to do. And that's where you get that back and forth thing going on. So if I respect you as a competitor, then I'm going to I'm going to give an extra thought to, well, if I were in her shoes, what would I do? Right. And so rather than just like looking at purely from my perspective, I need to stop get in your shoes, look at it from your perspective. And then I need to realize, well, you are measuring me up. You don't really want to go like, oh, well, the deeper, the better. I'm just going to go to level 10 and I'm just going to beat everybody. That's not actually how the real world works. Right. You need to, like, if they're a level nine, then yes, level 10 is good. But if they're a level one and you're at level 10, you're actually, you're, you're going to do worse. So I caution people when I talk about cybersecurity and game theory, it's not like, oh, I solved cybersecurity. Yeah. All we need to do is write an algorithm and encapsulate game theory and hit go and it'll spit out the answer. That won't ever work in, in cybersecurity because if my adversary knows that I'm using that program, then they're going to, I mean, because they're going to anticipate that and do the other thing. So there's a very much of a real time dynamic situation playing out here. But my overarching argument is, okay, let's, I'm not saying that we can develop an algorithm, we can solve the problem, but I do want us to pause. And I want us to remember that cybersecurity is an adversarial situation. It isn't just like 
me sitting down and installing a firewall and following a checklist of best practices, those things are very important. But if I stop there, I've missed the point of what cybersecurity really is because I'm treating cybersecurity, it's like, oh, it's just a checklist. Just do this checklist and you're great. We should definitely do checklists. Checklists do help a lot. But I need to go further than that and remember, wait a second, I have an intelligent adversary out there who's really smart. Like and they also know what the checklist is. Yes. <laughs> and they're watching me do what I'm doing when they're planning their attack. So if I, I'm a sitting duck, if I'm just predictable in that way. Here's your challenge note for this week. We'll be giving out prizes for individual participation and team participation. So be sure to submit to the next three challenges to increase your chances of winning. The episode four challenge is live now. So go on our website at cryptologicfoundation.org forward slash podcast and compete against Dr. Hammond as well as every other podcast listener. That's right. For this challenge, the leaderboard will have to be updated after everyone has submitted and you'll be ranked against each other. If you sign up to our mailing list on our website, you'll get notifications of when the leaderboard is updated and when new challenges drop. A tip for this week's challenge, make sure the numbers you submit add up to 120. So thinking about the adversary, let's let's mm. kind of loop back. Mm. Talk about the challenge again, um, mm. RPS. Like our challenge for this week, the strategy that you've used to protect the most servers is out there. It exists, right? Yeah. Have you considered that people would anticipate that you would play the same way? Yes. And and I will let them. So here's the thing with this <laughs> challenge. You're playing against everybody. So right. in, in this challenge, if it was just me versus you, you could beat me every time. And the way that you would win is you you're 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 trying to win servers in this game. And if you already know what I'm going to do, you're going you can beat me on five of the six servers every time. So that's a loss for me. I win one server, you win five. If you know what I'm doing, so I don't care how brilliant, this is another reason why there's no program for this. There's no algorithm. There is no right answer. Like in rock, paper, scissors, I can't say, oh yeah, you should always do rock first and then whatever. That doesn't work. Because if my adversary knows that's what I'm doing, then they'll have a better strategy that will beat that strategy. So it's the same thing here. So the calculus now comes down to, well, I'm playing everybody. So, okay, there might be some people out there that beat my strategy because they know what it is, but I'm banking on, I'm going to beat a lot of other people's strategies. And meanwhile, they may have gained, have some inefficiencies in their strategies against those other competitors. Right. So it's the total aggregate number of servers that I'm winning. So if there's, you know, 20 of us competing, that's 20 times 19 different contests that are actually happening because we're all playing each other. Right. So um, you may have beat one, but 19 other people didn't beat you. Yes, so you're doing exactly better right. than that one. Last we talked, um, we discussed that you had an interest in video games, as you've mentioned, and you've made your own video game. So what type of games do you like to have you built so far? I made uh, one of those, I think it's called like a brick breaker game. So it's one of them, which like the ball is has to go up and like break the bricks and lands on like the platform. And my one I made recently is a text adventure game. 
which uh, I called it Choice Master, and it's um, I think it's gonna be coming out on Steam. And oh, really? Uh, yes. And, I, and oh, cool. And the choice that you uh, go ahead and make in the game, the effect um, affects your outcome in the story. So if you just go and do one choice to go, like go to the park, or one to go like swimming, like whatever, it'll affect the end of the game. Whatever one you pick. Yeah? So that's kind of the um, the premise of the game. Interesting. Just like life. <laughs> yes. I was making like similar to that. And it turned out really well. I'm excited. You've been very persistent as a young person in like being able to create this comic book. It's really admirable. Um, but you've used your books to help do good in your community too. Um, you've helped raise money for St. Jude and you've donated books to um, schools in your area. Let's talk about, you know, the risk of starting your own business, especially since you started before the age of 14, um, what would you say the risk has been to you? Actually, two comes to mind. Uh, the first one is a lot of like companies of people not really taking you seriously as a business owner. Like I've had experience of like people like walk by and be like, yeah, like this kind of book is like a really good idea. But like they won't really take me seriously as my own business owner because I'm so young. Uh, being like only 14 and still being eighth grade. Um, and I think the second one that uh, really comes to mind is also balancing uh, school and your know, like your own free time, personal life and what, what's your business too. And having to manage all of that, like you need to put in a bunch of work for your business so your business can grow, but you also have to focus on your studies and so your grades don't drop. So just having that balance is also another like big risk with having your own business at such a young age. You also have a science girl comic book. I'm sure you've realized the potential you have to reach so many kids. You've you've printed and distributed over 5,000 of them, which is amazing. What do you hope the impact of your books will will be? I really hope just to inspire kids like um my mission is to inspire youth to become tech savvy entrepreneurs. But and also to pursue a stimulated career field. But even if they don't want to go and pursue a stimulated career, I just want to inspire them to at least follow their dreams and follow their passions and that they can do it too. Even as a kid, a lot of kids like want, including me actually at first, uh, wanted to go away into their adult to first do anything if they want to go get a job or follow any other passions. But I want to show them that they can do it too as a kid. And like they can go and still follow their passions as long as they do the research and have the support of a parent or guardian, they can follow their dreams too, even as a kid. So I'm hoping that I can make that impact on them with my books. If you want to sponsor donations or purchase DJ's books, check out the Team Deck Boy website and Instagram links in the show notes. How does this sort of strategic thinking really truly wrap into real world cybersecurity? Like what? How do I apply this real world skill to a situation? I think you could be a cyber professional working like, you know, for an organization trying to defend their networks. You could be a cyber operator, even doing cyber attack. And you could apply game theory there, uh, like, you know, computer network operations or something like that. You could just be a normal person trying to secure yourself from, a, you know, some kind of cyber attack or ransomware attack or some other phishing attempt or whatever it is in cyber. So the point with a the game theory that's all I really want to accomplish. I just want to put the adversary back in the in the central component of what cybersecurity is. I'm I'm putting the adversary in the human element in the center where it belongs. 
And if we can just acknowledge that, recognize that we are going to be better all over cyberspace because we're constantly going to be thinking about, is this an attack or how would I attack or could I be attacked? And just recognizing there's an intelligent person out there is going to help help us be safer all the time, whether you're in one of those job roles, whether you're just a normal person, just living out your life in cyberspace like we all do these days. You know, when we talk about education, which is really what my specialization is here at Cedarville, I'm an educator. Right. And I'm I'm helping my students learn how to think about problems. And it, you get into some theory and understanding at a deeper level how things work. That's what that's education. It's shaping the way that we think. Um, somebody had a famous quote: "Education is what remains after we've forgotten everything we learned in school." Now, that's kind of a funny way to think about what education is. It's like because we are going to forget. We're going to forget the things that we've read. We're going to forget the lectures that we've heard. You know, whether you're in middle school, high school, college, you you forget. But what you don't realize is your brain is being formed. You know, all those inputs, all those lectures, those homeworks, those labs, those books you read, they're shaping the way you understand the world and the way that you think about the world. As a person. Yeah. Yes, they shape the yeah. way. So it's well, that's very next important. Level. Educational process is hugely important. Be cyber smart, not cyber scared. Learn to navigate the digital world safely. That's our show. Thanks so much for being a part of our community. We can't wait to see how you do with this week's episode challenge. Go to the CyberChats podcast page on our website at www.cryptologicfoundation.org to find this week's challenge, submit a question, and join our focus group to help improve the podcast. You can watch more of this podcast on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to hear more. And check out the show notes for more details and links. This podcast is made possible by the Chilton Foundation. <laughs>